0: Wrong In this situation, he took a pitch in the back, he got beat for crying out loud. We used heart attack. Please. Managers on a Major League Baseball team don't make decisions. Credibility no, 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 no. in this situation is worse than losing your job. Was it over? The, Pearl the castration of the Major League Baseball managers, we know it. Ask me about my win. So, the attendance on opening day. For the Los Angeles Dodgers in their home opener. Their home opener, which obviously wasn't their first game, but their home opener. Was 52,995 people. The attendance for the Oakland Athletics in their first seven games. And I understand there's a boycott going on. But they're their first seven games, it's 55,998. Less than 3,000 3, fans more in attendance than the Dodgers' first game and the Athletics' first seven. Now, we talk about probably one of the most overrated times of the year, and that's the day of the NFL draft. In past years, we've had a lot more to be excited about. All you keep hearing about right now is how weak this draft is. Yet, as we get closer to the first pick being selected, and, of course, the Jacksonville Jaguars are on the clock, We keep hearing more and more about the possibility of multiple quarterbacks being taken in this particular draft. And let's be serious, dude. Uh, You're looking at the more quarterbacks that are taken in this draft, the more mistakes are going to be made by teams. For what reason? The reason is because the most sought-after position in a National Football League is the quarterback. And even if there isn't quarterbacks... All people are going to do is just study the quarterbacks and keep looking at somebody and watching tape and continuously overhyping somebody until they start to believe in their talents. And listen, it's not that the four major quarterbacks, the four top quarterbacks that are likely to go Um, If not on day one, but day two of the draft. And for those that don't know, day one is the first round of the draft. Day two is rounds two and three. And then day three is rounds four through seven. That's the way uh, the NFL has been over the last couple of years. And the, the issue that's existed is that there is not a strong quarterback class in this draft. Yet so many teams need quarterbacks. And there's no doubt that it's important For teams to try to upgrade at this position. But the chess match that's gonna exist between team that could use a quarterback and team that could use a quarterback is always going to push quarterbacks that probably don't belong to be picked as early as they do to be selected where they are. And you know, there's a fear that exists. And I just think buyer beware is probably the the smartest way to look at it when it comes to the draft this year. But you're seeing quarterbacks with some real good talent. I think Matt Coral or Corral, or however, however you say his name, has got a chance to be a decent NFL quarterback. To me, out of the four that are there, between him and Sam Howell and Kenny Pickett and Malik Willis, I think that Coral has a chance to be the best out of the four of them. And that's just my opinion. And what the hell do I know? But while we're talking about what the hell do I know, what the hell do any of these experts that are giving you all these mock drafts and 24-7 coverage and all this overhype over players that they're still taking a shot at them in the back saying that this draft is very weak. There's not as much talent. You're going to get to a certain part in the second or the third or the fourth round or whatever it is. And teams are going to be reaching. Teams are going to be reaching based off of position scarcity. And I keep talking about quarterbacks being that position. That's the position that everybody wants to upgrade because everybody wants to have that diamond in the rough, that future star quarterback that's going to hold down your franchise for the next series of years. You only have less than a dozen of them in the NFL. And for those that are keeping score at home, there's 32 teams in the NFL which means 20 or less teams or 20 or more teams are probably looking for an upgrade at that position if they could possibly do it. So even teams that have a quarterback in place are certainly looking at the draft to say, man, if I could develop a a kid, if we could take somebody out of college in whatever round it is and maybe have them sit behind our starter for a year or two, and maybe have them learn their way and get a little better, and all of a sudden, this is the franchise quarterback we're gonna have over the next series of years. It's wishful thinking. And even in a draft like last year that was so quarterback centric, you had quarterbacks go in the first three rounds of the draft for only the third time in the history of the National Football League. Are either are any of these three teams really overjoyed over what they have after one year? I understand Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence was hyped up for many years. He was hyped up before he even started going to go into college at Clemson. He ends up being the consensus number one overall pick. If it wasn't the Jaguars, whatever team had that number one overall pick was going to take Trevor Lawrence. Zach Wilson, he was a guy that kind of rose through the combine, rose as things got a little closer to the draft last year, and it became kind of, Understood that he was going to be the second player and a second quarterback taken. Trey Lance, remember, there was discussion, you know, the quarterback out of North Dakota State. The 49ers were interested in Mac Jones and they they traded up. Remember, they moved, uh, you know, gave up a lot of draft and future assets to move up to number three in a draft when he already had a quarterback in Jimmy Garoppolo. And thought was they were going to go out there and they're going to take Mac Jones out of Alabama. Now, Trey Lance ends up becoming their pick. He ends up sitting for the most part this past year. The thought was that Jimmy Garoppolo was going to be traded and Trey Lance was going to be the starter in year number two. Well, it doesn't look like that's going to happen at this moment. But you never know. Maybe Maybe a trade gets worked out around the draft time. You've heard the discussion That whether it's Carolina, whether it's Seattle, teams that might be looking to trade for a quarterback, whether it's Jimmy Garoppolo, whether it's Baker Mayfield, the two probably most expendable and sought-after quarterbacks at the moment, maybe for different reasons. You know, Baker was a starting quarterback for the Browns last year, and all of a sudden, Deshaun Watson's there. Baker Mayfield's not going to play another down for the Cleveland Browns. Now, Jimmy Garoppolo, you understood the situation that he was in. His replacement was drafted last year. So there are two quarterbacks that could probably fill spots somewhere, whether it's Carolina, whether it's Seattle, whether it's any of those other teams that at this moment, at this time, do not have a star quarterback. But listen, Patty Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers, players of that echelon do not grow on trees. So the thought is going to continue to be, and I'll continue to jam this point home because it's frustrating to me that NFL teams aren't seeing it, but you could see as many as four quarterbacks being taken in this year's draft. And you could make a case that not one of them may be first-round worthy. And that's kind of crazy to say. And there might be four teams that are going to use day one first-round picks Because it's a position of scarcity, because it's a position of need on players that may not be worthy of those picks. And I'll take it a step further. However many quarterbacks are taken on day one of the draft this year, there's one thing that's tied to it. And for those that don't know, if you're taken in the first round of the NFL draft, the team holds your rights for four years and it has a fifth year option. And this only applies to players that are taken in the first round of a draft. So, it may behoove any team to take somebody with a first round pick with the thought that this is a player that they may want to keep around for a fifth year. I'll tell you this, if as many as four quarterbacks get taken in the first round, I'm going to make a case that none of them are going to have their respective team pick up that fifth year option. And if that's the case, then that means that pick was a failure. And you could talk about the failures over the last several years when it comes to first-round draft picks amongst quarterbacks. Are there any failures at this point right now? Well, I don't know what the future is for Zach Wilson. I know he'll be behind center, under center for the Jets this year. Uh, he had a bad season last year. Trey Lance hasn't played very much. Mac Jones looked pretty good. Trevor Lawrence had some ups and downs, and of course, you got the Justin Fields in Chicago, going to get a, uh, going to be able to run that offense again. There's five teams that probably believe that the five quarterbacks that they selected in a first round last year are going to be starters going forward, but there's already some doubts. There's already some doubts about how ready Trey Lance is. There's already some doubts about Zach Wilson's ability to run an NFL offense. And there's some doubts about whether Trey Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence can handle extreme adversity. Can he be a quarterback, a guy that's used to winning over the course of his entire life? Can he be a quarterback of a team that is not very good? Can he be a quarterback of a team that's going to win three or four games for the next three or four seasons? And is he going to improve? Is he going to be able single-handedly get that Jacksonville franchise any better? You you think of good quarterbacks playing for bad teams, which is basically the mantra. If you're the top draft pick, you're probably going to a team that was bad last year. And the Jacksonville Jaguars, who have the first pick overall in the draft for the second straight year, they're bad. And if you look back at past years, and you could already talk about mistakes that exist amongst quarterbacks that are taken in the draft no mistake was making with joe burrow. joe burrow took the cincinnati bengals to the super bowl in year number 2. you know there's some doubts about tua, but he's got weapons now. there's going to be a lot more pressure on him this year but he's still there. everybody loves justin herbert. they're putting him in a hall of fame, you know, after after 2 years in the nfl. but when it comes down to it, jordan love was taken with the 26th overall pick 2 years ago by the green bay packers. And, you know, you know, Aaron Rodgers is going to be there for the next couple years. You know, he's not getting traded. Is Jordan Love going to get any play at all with them? Are they going to move him when he's going to get a chance? I, who, who knows? But already you're looking at Jordan Love as a first-round pick two years ago as being a bust. And it might not necessarily be his fault. It's not a bust like Henry Ruggs, who the Raiders took with the 12th overall pick in the same draft. Who Who knows if he's going to see the light of day again. You know, he's going to be spending some time in prison. His football career is over after that awful accident where he killed somebody. And, you know, you just wonder the investment that's made with a first-round draft pick. And like I said, I believe, and I've believed all along, and I've heard other people talk about this, that there's an interest in wanting to take the best player that's on the board. And you could talk about it, whether you're debating, whether you believe it, it makes sense or not. Sometimes you have a certain position need, and you take the best player at that position. Now, Dwayne Haskins was taken with a 15 overall pick three years ago with the Washington, then football team, now commanders. And of course, Dwayne Haskins tragically was killed uh, a couple weeks ago in an awful, awful accident. And you know, may he rest in peace, Godspeed to... You know Him and hopefully everybody that was close to them is getting the the healing that they needed. This is a sports show, so we're talking about a sport element. But a 15th overall pick out of Ohio State, a very good school, a very well-respected football program. Many, many players have gone to Ohio State and had great careers in the NFL. And Dwayne Haskins was out of Washington after one year. He was with the the Pittsburgh Steelers as a backup. Maybe he had a chance to compete this year. It, it's probably not a fair story to tell to call him a straight bust. Well, you know he didn't have he doesn't have a, the opportunity to redeem himself. Was still in the league, and like I said, would have been in competition with Mitch Trubisky with the Pittsburgh Steelers to be Ben Roethlisberger's replacement. Daniel Jones, the same draft was taken number six overall. Now the Giants are going to try to give him as many weapons give him the, the best when it comes to offense in regards to Brian, Brian Dable. And you're going to find out pretty soon whether he's going to be the quarterback of the Giants going forward. But when you look at these picks, I mean, I, I don't look at Daniel Jones and say, hey, it was a home run. And obviously Kyler Murray came from that same draft, and you have the decision that's being made with the Cardinals of when should they extend him. I identify Kyler Murray as that type of quarterback that's worth investing in. You know, you look at a draft the year before. Baker Mayfield going number one overall. Anybody could have him. Basically, at this point, the top two quarterbacks who are taken in the first three picks of the 2018 draft can now be had by anybody. The, The Carolina Panthers, hey, maybe they'll have both of them under center at some point this year. So... To say that those picks have not worked out might be an understatement. I wouldn't necessarily call them bust because they're not out of the league yet. But Darnold for is is in no guarantee of being a, a, the starter for the Carolina Panthers this year. Somebody might be drafted today on day one, whether it's Malik Willis, whether it's uh, Kenny Pickett. You know, probably the two most sought after quarterbacks. And I still believe I still don't believe there's a quarterback on this draft board that is worthy of being selected in a first round. But there will be because of the position scarcity. But Josh Allen goes seven in that draft to the Buffalo Bills, and he's a star quarterback. Josh Rosen is, is barely in the league. So you talk about one, two, three, four out of those quarterbacks that were taken within the top 10 of this draft. All were very sought after. All were very argued over whether one thought one was better. Some people thought Josh Rosen was the best out of all four of them. And not a lot of people believed that Josh Allen was the best out of all four of them. And guess what? Josh Allen, by a mile, is the best quarterback out of those four that were taken in the first 10 of that draft. That being said, three of those quarterbacks could, number one, all be playing for the same team if they wanted to. Or if the team wanted to. And there's a chance that Rosen could be out of the league very soon. And the discussion about that draft was how sought after these quarterbacks were. And I think the problem that exists is that just teams out there want that position to be solved for them. They want the to have their quarterback under center for for the next several years. And it's hard to get in free agency because you know, any quarterback that makes it to free agency is there for a reason. Good teams. Or teams that identify their quarterback are locking them up. You know, Lamar Jackson goes in the same draft and he's, where's he selected? He's selected 32nd overall by the Baltimore Ravens. He's won an MVP already. And he's, you know, outside of Allen and maybe you could put him up in Allen's um, pedigree or uh, class. But... You know, I'm taking Lamar Jackson over Baker Mayfield. I'm taking Lamar Jackson over Sam Darnold and certainly Josh Rosen. So it's a lot of ambiguity that exists because there's uncertainty over what you're going to get here. And, hey, injuries could happen too, which I don't even think is part of the conversation because anybody could get hurt at any time. I could be speaking and at one point my voice could go away forever. You know, there's a player that could be walking home from the beach and all of a sudden his leg could shatter and he'll never be the same again. So injuries aren't even a major part of the deal. But, you know, the, the defensive players that, and offensive linemen that are headlining this draft, I think there's ways that teams can improve. And I think the teams that have the chance to have the best draft are going to be the ones that stay away from selecting a quarterback in the first round. And if you look at Trevon Walker, Aiden Hutchinson, I think amongst those two players, they're, they're pretty much expected to be the top player taken or within the top two. I think there's teams that are going to overrate the quarterback position, like I keep saying, but then there's other teams that are going to be like, let me look at the best player. You know, if I get Evan Neal, an offensive lineman out of Alabama and he holds down a side of my line for years, that's going to make my team better. It's going to make my team better than bringing a quarterback that maybe is out of his league and maybe is not ready to play right away, but even when he is ready to play, may not have the talent to survive in a National Football League. And listen, I'm not going to give you any bullshit analysis. I'm not going to sit here and talk about this player being better than that player. Because we all understand that it's all a crock of shit at this point. You, you listen to people talk about it that don't know enough themselves. All they keep telling you is how bad of a draft this is. Yet, they're going to keep hyping up these players as we go from day one to day two of the draft. You're going to hear players in a, in a second round that were being bad-mouthed by these same insiders and experts and all of a sudden, they're going to turn the other way and tell you how great they're going to be or how good of a pick it is for an individual team. And, it, and then you look at other you know, aspects. You're know, you you're going, to have, you're going to have people that are going to badmouth some player that's taken in the fifth round, and all of a sudden, he's going to turn into something good. I ain't here to give any draft analysis. You know what? We'll see what ends up happening. I'll listen a little bit to some of the analysis but we going to know anything about any of these players, and this applies to any freaking draft, not just any NFL draft, but any sports draft to begin with, until I see that player perform on the field or in basketball on a court or hockey in the ice. Now, as we swing over to baseball, I didn't get this off my chest in the uh, last PBS we did on Monday of this past week. Um, you had the incident with the fans a Yankee Stadium and Miles Straw running up and uh, basically challenging him to a fight. Stuff was being thrown on the field, and I, you know I've spent probably more time than I needed to, kind of sitting on it. And you can't—you're in—you're in a position where it's very hard to criticize fans. But listen, there's fans of the Yankees that are going to be judged forever because of what these few fans did by throwing stuff on the field, and. This should be similar to where it's very hard to go after and say, the fans were wrong and the fans can't do this. It's very hard to stick up for somebody that, deserves, that, that decides to throw stuff on the field and potentially hurt somebody. Yankee Stadium is not the only stadium in baseball that has had fans act unruly and be like this. But if you're a fan of the Yankees, the first thing you think of is, man, my name and my reputation as a fan is on the line and I'm being unfairly judged because of the actions of a couple assholes. And I think this applies to any profession out there because, listen, being a fan is a profession. You know, it's something that you do. You know, you may have an employment as a as a worker to do whatever you do, but, you know, you go to X amount of games a year. You watch X amount of games on television. You sit down in a chair and you declare yourself the fan. It's a profession. You invest time of your life in it. We all invest different levels of time in it. Some people are more casual. Some people say, hey, I root for this team. I own a hat, but you know what? I don't go to many games. I don't really watch that many on TV. But you know, if the team happens to be doing good, I'll be happy. And then there's other people that buy season ticket plans. They go to 81 home games of their favorite team each year. They go to spring training every year. They make sure, you know, they go to every postseason game their team makes it if they're lucky enough to get there. But all those fans are probably feeling the same thing. Some of them will act for the other group of fans and throw stuff on the field. And you know the millions and millions of fans... In some cases, hundreds of thousands. In the Oakland Athletic cases, what are we talking about? You know, tens of thousands of athletic fans at this point that give even the slightest bit of a shit. And I understand part of uh, their attendance problems have to do with the stadium. Part of the attendance issues have to do with the boycott by the fans and their decision to not go to the games because they don't feel ownership is supporting the franchise. This past year, you look at... Um, some of the trades that were made, whether it's Chris Bassett, whether it's Matt Olson, Matt Chapman, they couldn't wait to get these players off the team because they don't want to pay them. You need a new owner in there. That's the problem. But that being said, fans take stuff like this to heart. If there's a fan of the team that I root for that's throwing stuff on the field, I want to search that fan down and I want to have a talk with him because that person is making me look bad. Just like a police officer that serves, does everything he can to protect the people, takes his job seriously, puts his life in jeopardy every single time he goes out there to work, and then he has to be judged because some asshole can't do their freaking job. That would bother me. Somebody in my position that does what I do that isn't doing it correctly. And that applies to fans, too. So... I don't pay as much attention to what's out there and what people are saying, but if I'm a Yankee fan, I'm pretty freaking pissed off that fans stoop to the level of throwing stuff on the field, especially for the majority of them that would not do that. That's painting an improper picture of what the true fan is. Last thing I wanted to jump into, and you've heard me rant about this before, but when it comes to pitchers hitting batters, Ball slipping, as most pitchers would say. Uh, pitches coming up inside, um, high and tight, and reactions from batters. You know, you, you look at somebody getting hit and there's a reaction, usually bench-clearing incidents, which get so much discussion when it comes to baseball. Oh, man, a bunch of people are out on the field. First thing i got to get into here is baseball From have any interest in controlling the... I don't know, the mockery that these things have become. Yes, I get it. There's disputes between players. Players get upset for whatever. Scored too many runs. Ask Alcides Escobar. They get mad because, hey, the pitch was high and a little bit tight. Uh, you know, they didn't like, Nolan Arenado didn't like the way the ball was, was thrown. And once they make the move, like they're having an argument with somebody, everybody's got to come out of each dugout. And not only that... But the worst thing about it is the clowns got to come into the game. And this is no disrespect meant towards any reliever in baseball, but you look like a freaking fool when you run all the way from the bullpen that are outside of the outfield fences just to do what? To stand there like a freaking moron and be part of a scrum? Unless you're Jeff Nelson and Graham Lloyd getting ready to go in there and throw haymakers at Armando Benitez circa 1998. What the hell are you doing? and baseball a sport that feels like you know from a commissioner standpoint he wants to stick his head in every freaking thing he possibly can can we do something to keep this from being such a mockery or is that what baseball has just become have we accepted the mockery of baseball the fact that you need videos of watching some some moron jump over the fence in the outfield to run to to stand around with the other members of their team yet you look at other sports if there's a scrum in football, nobody's allowed to leave the, the sidelines. If there's a scrum in football, very seldom do anybody else even come into the mix with it. If there's a scrum in basketball, you know that anybody that comes off of the bench during the altercation is automatically suspended. If there's a fight in hockey, maybe some of the worst fights in hockey will involve... All five players that are on the ice plus the goalie. But the other players stay on the bench because that's a rule. How come baseball hasn't instituted anything like that to keep these from just embarrassing the sport? Nobody's getting hurt. Nobody's being prevented from getting hurt by having whatever whatever we're talking about. 70 or so players and coaches and, you know analytics staff people running on the field to do what? To sit there and hug? To sit there and hold one person back that has no interest in throwing a punch but wants to look like a friggin' wannabe tough guy? And you're going to sit here and watch this over and over again. And I I know I pick on the relievers a lot. And the relievers, listen, they're just as much a part of the team as anybody else that's in that dugout. And I feel for them. I feel for the fact that they're stuck in the outfield somewhere. And if anything serious like that happens, they don't have the same access to the field than the players in the dugout. And I totally get that. It's not their fault. I blame the system and the fact that anybody's allowed out of the bullpen and isn't subject to any sort of suspension. Maybe if there was, maybe if you if you leave the bullpen and you're suspended, people wouldn't run out of the bullpen. Or maybe you let the Nine players on the field handle the situation that's going on. And you say, oh, man, well, you know, if there's nobody on base, then it's it's nine players against one player. And that's where the defense starts coming in. You know, the players come out of the batter's dugout if the batter's having a dispute with the pitcher. Because you know what? There's more fielders on the field than, than batters, right? There's only one batter. I get why it happens why isn't there any control set to change these things and once again if you want to go out there and call what happened between the Mets and the Cardinals yesterday a brawl how's that a brawl Who was fighting Nolan Arenado was yelling things and he shoved the catcher and Pete Alonzo got thrown to the ground that's a fight that's a brawl Are, are we redefining what we think brawl is because we don't see anything like that in baseball and trust me I'm not advocating any sort of Uh, you know, serious altercations or fisticuffs or assault to to happen on the field. But we're looking at sissy fights. We're looking at one guy yelling at somebody with four more guys holding them back. And coincidentally, said guy that's yelling at said other guy is getting louder the more held back they are because uh, there's no way they're getting to that person. I wonder if baseball will consider doing something to limit the amount of people that are coming out of the dugout. Listen, I may be okay up to a point. Hey, if the bench is clear, you understand. Like I said, you got nine fielders and one batter. So if, 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 if batter is in a, an argument with somebody, he's got nobody there to defend him. while the guy on the field, whether it's the pitcher or somebody else there, has eight other people that could come to their defense. So I'm not saying ban people from leaving the bench. But you tell me that there's any need for it to be okay for anybody to come out of those bullpens, I'm listening. You can keep telling me. Come on. I want a good answer. Hit me with the comments, whatever it is that you got to tell me. Because you know if there's something or some element that I need to be educated with this, I'd like to know. And please educate me. And like I said, you could be a former major league pitcher, or, you know, relief pitcher, or an active pitcher, and you say, hey, I just want to go out and help my teammates. What the hell are you doing? You're not helping your teammates. All it is is you're saying, hey, I want to be part of the camaraderie. I want to be part of things. I'd say move the bullpens closer to the dugouts, and maybe I'd think differently. But like, I have no other thought that comes to my mind when I see bullpens start to empty especially when they got to come across the entire field and say, hey, here come the clowns. Here's the clowns. Send in the clowns. It's a freaking clown show. This is the Passball Show brought to you by JohnPLA.com, by St. Alwish's Church in Jackson, New Jersey, by Two A's, One Passion Food Truck, located in Scranton, Pennsylvania. We'll be back with you probably... uh, We'll probably look at a little bit of time. Probably next Wednesday, another edition of the Passball Show. Uh, maybe a little bit of a recap of the draft whatever it is that we saw like I said I feel for any team that takes a quarterback in the first round I will make this point and I'll back it up when it's proven right Uh, there's not going to be a quarterback that's selected in the first round of this year's draft that's respective team or any team they end up being on is going to consider taking their fifth year option God bless you and as always I'll see you on the other side Chris Bryant was on the Chicago Cubs roster opening day. I have many leather-bound books. My apartment smells of rich mahogany. Why don't you give it all or a majority to the team that wins the friggin' World Series? I was going to listen to that, but then I just carried on it in my life. Now they come out as the biggest... Major League Baseball Manager apologists. It'll only make someone work just hard enough not to get fired Because hitters are going out there saying I'm either going to hit a home run or I'm going to strike out And if I don't get a pitch that I feel like I could drive out of the park Not even supposed to be here today Especially prospect whores and hoarders Are going to be a little pissed off at me when I say this I'm a dude playing, a dude another dude. There are only two managers in baseball's Hall of Fame who have losing records. One of them is the iconic Connie Mack, who you could say, in spite of winning five World Series championships as a manager, could be in as much as a pioneer. what side of the spectrum they're on. Were they pitching? Were they batting? If your favorite team was pitching and a ball got inside and hit a batter, there's no way it could have been on purpose. But if you were a fan of the team that was batting and a ball got inside and hit somebody or went behind somebody's head, absolutely 100%, unequivocally, that pitcher was throwing at them. their tail between their legs, deciding they're gonna do exactly what they're told. <laughs> you damn well right better give him a contract extension. You damn well right better make him the manager over the next series of years. 35 years ago, I could have loaned your parents the money for an abortion. <laughs>